we're very good at the delayed gratification thing and seeing the big picture and keeping an eye on our goals, even when we have setbacks, you know, even when there's maybe a property doesn't rent for quite what we thought it would, or maybe there's an unexpected expense that we didn't see coming. We keep our eyes on the big picture and we know one year from now, we'll be in a really, really good spot. Your network is your net worth. Come listen to some of the most successful people I know. Share invaluable knowledge, stories, and advice in real estate, business, and beyond. This is Weiss Advice. Whether you want to take your business or personal life to the next level, look no further. Welcome back to another episode of Weiss Advice. I am your host, Yona Weiss. Always grateful and always excited to be with a new guest. Today, we have Lauren Keen Amund. How are you doing today? Hi, Yona. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. If you guys don't know who Lauren is, she's the host of another podcast, which I was a guest on recently called Adulting is Easy, which not really, it's not easy. I, I try to tell my kids that, but it certainly has not been easy. But I'd love to kind of break down, just jump right in uh, off the bat. What is that? What is that about? How did you come up with the name for that and the brand? It's really more of a company and a brand than just the podcast, right? Yeah, it has turned into that. It started as a blog and then kind of quickly turned into a podcast, but it's all about teaching young people about personal finance with the idea being, if we make money easier, we make adulting easier. And so it's sort of this aspirational thing to make adulting easy. And it started because my sister and I are 13 years apart. And so I taught her, I was there when she took her first bite of food. I was there when she said her first words, took her first steps. I taught her to tie her shoes. We both do the bunny ear method, by the way, very controversial in my family. And I taught her to ride a bike without training wheels. You know, I came home from college one weekend to teach her. So it was very natural that I would teach her about money as time went on. So that's how it started. Then she got busy with normal young adult things like studying for the SATs, applying to college. And now she's a majoring in mechanical engineering. And so I transitioned a few years ago to interviewing guests, interviewing nice. experts. And that's where you obviously came in pretty recently. Yeah. No, very cool. And I mean, it's really been, it's awesome that it's become, and a lot of things happen this way. They start out as one thing and then they evolve into other things. So it's turned in from a blog to a podcast, to a course. And really along the way, I think you're learning a lot along the way as well, right? I mean, you went from you know, working a W2 job. I know you've talked about this a lot, working in the full, you know, nine to five, a salesperson and doing all that. And now, you know, have invested in real estate and own a bunch of properties and doing short-term rentals and long-term and mid-term and all this stuff and learning along the way also what works with that, what doesn't work and sharing your experiences. So I think that's a really important part about, you know, I feel this way about sometimes you start a venture and you think, okay, it's just going to be this and you're kind of trapped in a box. But if you allow it to just go naturally with where, with every direction, even if it changes a long time, you know, that, that's fine. People change. Yeah. yeah. You have to be willing, especially in business as personally also, but in business, I mean, I love Stephen Covey. I love seven habits. I read quite a few books, you know, every year and you know, his begin at the end in mind, I think it's a lovely, awesome goal, but I think goals are meant to be either met or revisited over time. And yeah. that's what has happened with adulting is easy. My regular career, the real estate investing, everything. I sort of use logic as much as possible, but some of the directions we take, it's a little bit of a gut feeling. It is. And oftentimes you learn along the way 
and you learn personally what works for you and what doesn't necessarily work for you. I mean, there are plenty of gurus and there's plenty of people, podcasts and teachers out there telling everyone has a different story of what's supposed to work for financial freedom or financial you know, independence. And what works for one person may not work for another. I mean, can you walk us through maybe a little bit of a backstory of like how you were able to achieve that and through what processes? I mean, you started investing in real estate and that's spiraled, you know, to many properties, right? Yeah, it turned into something I didn't really think that it would. But sort of, it all starts with starting, obviously. Like you have yes. to take that first step. And I tell young or new real estate investors this all the time where I think have to know exactly where you're going to go. You just have to take your first step. So mm. there's a balance of learning. But then there's also just taking action. I bought my first house, which was one to live in. I went under contract when I was 22. I was working as a manager at Toys R Us all the way through like Christmas season. I was the front end department supervisor, which is about as fun as it sounds. Not fun at all. We'll get to that later. You know, so I was doing that. I bought this house and then I moved my friend and who I had lived with in college anyway. So that's called house hacking when you have a property and you rent part of it out. And so instead of paying $800 a month in rent, my mortgage was $725 and I was collecting $550. So that's how it started for me. You know, it was 2012. So everything had kind of bottomed out. Right. A couple of years in, I realized, hey, I've got some pretty decent net worth here. I wonder what I could do if I actually tried at it. And so I got into sales, like you said, to increase my income. Very, I made a very conscious effort to do that, reading books, attending webinars, doing trainings, having mentors, and got really into sales. I guess pretty good at it. Made, you know, made a ton of money pretty much. I mean, started making six figures at the age of 24, been making six figures ever since in sales. And that then contributed to the real estate, got good at sales and then bought another property in 2017 and started expanding from there. That's awesome. And I think one of the things that that struck me, you know, when kind of hearing your story and and doing this is that you, know, you talk a lot about increasing, you know, your income, right? There and the, along with that is also kind of decreasing your expenses or cutting expenses. I mean, is that something that you're also very frugal about in terms of, you know, seeing how we can cut costs, how we can, you know, find ways to I guess, make ends meet in, in a way that you can have more to invest? We're relatively frugal. I mean, there's if you were to look at our, my husband and I, if you were to look at what we spend, look at our credit card statement, you would see where the values are. We like good food. We like good wine. We like going out to eat. We love sports. So you're going to see some lightning hockey games on there. You're going to see some Rays games. So you're going to see that we spend money on those types of things. In terms of the two, the big two though, which is going to be your housing and your transportation, we house hack. I deviated from my house hacking for my in 2017. I bought my forever primary home, right? BMW yeah. golf course community. The one good thing I did was I kept that first house. So I deviated from house hacking, but we got back into house hacking in 2020 and have done a few different house hacks, keeping the ones we left out. So we are in a duplex right now and we've done a duplex before. And then we did a house with ADUs, which are accessory dwelling units. And so in that way, we have no housing expense. It basically pays for itself. And actually now the real estate is paying for all of our expenses. And then in terms of cars, we have, you know, we have obviously paid off cars. I have a Honda Accord. It's a really beautiful Honda Accord, but it's just a <laughs> Honda Accord. My husband has a Forerunner, and so that was what we did when we first got married in 2019. Is really figure out how to get those two costs down, mm -hmm. and that really allows us to spend on what we love. I mean, we have a boat. 
you know, which is never a good financial decision. We just bought some electric bikes, even though we have regular bikes, just so we can go a little further, Mm -hmm. you know, go down the Pinellas Trail here in Florida a little further than we could on our regular bikes. And like I said, the wine and the food. So definitely not super frugal. We're not clipping coupons or anything, but we both still have really good jobs and the real estate pays all the bills. So we don't really have to be as frugal as we were. That's amazing. And I love the fact that the real estate pays for the bills and you can essentially do whatever you want at this point. I mean, have you, you said both of you still working full-time and yeah. still investing. I mean, is there, I mean, you have what most people call financial independence, I mean, you have all of through passive income, through your rental, well, not necessarily passive, but through your rental properties, right? Minimally passive, maybe passive aggressive. I don't know what you want to call it, but it is. That's what I call it. <laughs> it's covering your ex- living expenses, which means you're essentially free. Yet the jobs are there, I guess, with stability, maybe there's some benefits there. You're just increasing more income so you can buy more properties. Is there, you know, in your kind of goals or long-term goals, is there a transition out of that? Yeah, absolutely. That is in full force. We decided to buy one more property. And then whenever we do that, it takes some you know stabilization of the portfolio. So this house that I'm sitting in right now, it's a duplex. We're living in the bottom. We're renting out the top and we're working on this property. So, you know, we, we moved some doorways we added some mini split ACs and we're getting some structure work done, painting the inside, doing the yard, painting the outside. So as we're fixing this up and we do some of the work, but we hire most of it out because obviously there are time constraints here. So the goal was to get this property up and running, do some capex on some other properties, maybe divest of one, but then in a year we'll be very stable, have our cash built back up. And we'll be good to go. I will not have a full-time job by then for sure. I would imagine it's going to be in 2023 when I'm going to leave my job. And I'm hoping that my husband will be able to figure out some sort of part-time situation. He is a part owner of an engineering firm. So we're hoping that he can take a small step back if it's Mm -hmm. right for the business next year. And that will mean I am 34 and he is 31. That's cool. That's awesome. I mean, at such a young age, you're talking about adulting is easy. It sounds like it. It sounds like it is, right? What, the way that you describe it. But I mean, you know, it's just, that's like the social media highlight version, right? I mean, there's yeah, hard moments. You know, we were on a cruise recently and, you know, there was a toilet problem, the classic real estate toilet problem, right? But we were able to call my uncle, who's our handyman at that property, and he went over there and fixed it, you know. So a lot of people, when they go away, they're truly away. And when you're self-managing, we have 10 short-term rentals right now. When you're self-managing the 10 short-term rentals and three long-term rentals, you know, there's stuff that you have to do. And when you've got two full-time jobs, and then like you said, everything that I have going on with adulting is easy. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. So there, I wouldn't say we have a ton of, <laughs> I guess we have work-work balance. I wouldn't say we have a lot of right. work-life balance right now, but we will very soon. And we're very good at the delayed gratification thing and right. seeing the big picture and keeping an eye on our goals. Even when we have setbacks, You know, even when there's maybe a property doesn't rent for quite what we thought it would, or maybe there's an unexpected expense that we didn't see coming, we keep our eyes on the big picture. And we know one year from now, I mean, it was five years from now, a while ago, but now one year from now, we'll be in a really, really good spot. That's awesome. Talk to me a little bit about the short-term rentals, because you mentioned 10 short-term rentals and you're self-managing them. So how are you able to, and we've talked about this on the show a lot, people setting up systems and all kinds of stuff like that, but it still does require some degree of hands-on, I don't know, communication or, or what do you want to call it? 
Yeah. So we're very systematized on the short-term mental side, not systematized at all on the long-term mental side. That's interesting. That's probably why I don't have many long-term mentals. And all of our properties are a mix. So I don't have any tenants that are off by themselves. They're next mm. door in the same building as my short-term rentals, which is cool because like they're kind of on my side and I have, you know, eyes right there on the oh, properties. Okay. That's cool. But yeah, we use a property management software called OwnerRes. We use dynamic pricing, which is called Price Labs. Mm -hmm. We use Schlage Encode Locks with a software called Remote Lock, which communicates with OwnerRes. So the locks set themselves. The communications are very automated. We're able to collect security deposits, take renters agreements. And all of that is very, very streamlined. The cleaners get notifications when bookings happen. They have access to the calendar in the different locations. And so basically... In the morning, what I do, well, on Mondays, I have to do like the paperwork type stuff, you know, make sure that I'm leaving reviews, that I'm responding to reviews, that I'm mm. something doing something called the channel bridge. So I'm bridging the reviews with the owner of a system, paying the cleaners. I pay them every Monday. They invoice me on Friday, right? So there's some paperwork. It takes half an hour to 45 minutes at this point. And then midday, I check with the, like, I make sure the cleaners, I have them text me when stuff's clean. So making sure that everything's clean. So we have our turns done for the day. And at the same time, making sure everybody for the next couple of days, all of the guests have their renter's agreements and security deposits in nice. and that the locks have set themselves. So there's a little bit in terms of like the pro, it's about all you can do from a proactive perspective. The rest of it is, you know, just little guest communication questions. Yeah. And when I get the same question two or three times, I try to rewrite my communications or my listings. I mean, unless it's a very specific thing for that guest, if it's, you know, kind of a general question, I try to make sure I don't get it again. That makes sense. I mean, that's, that really is, you know, kind of streamlining it and systematizing it much more. I mean, communication, I think is key. I mean, any, do you have that kind of set up that there are automated messages going out once the guests check in and or if they inquire? I mean, that happens a lot. Personally, when I'm looking at an Airbnb, for some reason or another, I always have a question for the host before I want to book it. I just like want to, I don't know if it's my insecurity. I just want to like verify like that what they're saying is actually true. Cause you know, it happens sometimes. It happened one time. I had a, you know, there was a hot tub listed and it happened to be I messaged the person. You mentioned the hot tub. Is it still functioning? Because I know it happens. Like hot tubs can go out of service from time to time. You got to get a new one. And that's exactly what happened. So I felt good that I asked the question and then they were honest about it, that it was actually out of service. So I didn't end up booking that place. But it has happened. I hear horror stories all the time from people where something does go wrong. And, you know, do you handle the actual guest, you know, questions and communications? Or do you have like an assistant or someone? I know a lot of people have like virtual assistants doing a lot of that. I handle all of the guest communications myself. I don't get that many. And actually, Yona, sorry to tell you this, but if I get questions from people, they're not booking. Like it never, if they ask me more than like one question, two questions, I'm like, they're not going to book. You know why? Because they asked me and 10 other hosts questions. Like they're right. the tire kicking types. Oh boy. I just so identified myself. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. You know, occasionally they book. It's just when they do, I'm like, I'll tell my husband, hey, that lady that asked those three questions, she booked. And sometimes the people that ask for discounts and I say no, sometimes they still book, right? Which is yeah. kind of funny. But no, I handle all of the communications. Our units are relatively small. They're all studios, ones or two bedrooms. So in a lot of ways, what you see is what you get with them. We try to be very clear about the location, what's included, what's not included. We don't offer a ton of amenities because I haven't figured out how to guarantee those. We do have one place that has a hot tub because it was our primary 
I don't even have grills in a lot of my places because I just, I love my cleaners, but it just is another opportunity for us to have a miss, to have a ding. And so we allow people to bring their own grills, for example. So we try to be very clear. We allow instant books. So a lot of times bookings just happen for us and we never hear from them directly. And we say things in our listings too, that are like, you know, Lauren and Eric are so happy that you've chosen their property. They love showcasing the nature coast of Florida with our guests. They mm-hmm. may or may not be on property when you're there. And you may see people like handymen and cleaners and mm-hmm. landscapers or jacuzzi people, <laughs> but you may not see the host. Just kind of letting people. And also like the best way to communicate is text, email, or through the platform. It's right. like, don't call me. Don't call. And I'm probably not there. <laughs> you know, so people I think can kind of read between those lines and under, and we've got, obviously we don't have a key. Like there's no key. There's a keypad. Right. You know, so it's very clear that we're hands off and systematized, especially once they start getting the the e-signature for the renter's agreement and the automated communications. They pretty much understand, I think, what they're getting. And so I don't typically have guests that are really that I need to do a lot of handholding with. Occasionally I'll get somebody where it's their first time using mm-hmm. a short-term rental and like, so are you going to come in and clean every day? I'm like, I am not. As a matter of fact, no one is. Thank you for asking. Right. You know? So you know, it's a, it's yeah, a good I handle question. all of that. It's a good question. People, you know, it is. If they stay in a hotel, like they're used to, you know, housekeeping right. coming every day, and right. first time going to Airbnb, they think it's similar to a hotel in that way. So I, I definitely right. can hear that. That's amazing. So, and all your properties you mentioned, I handle all of those communications, and you know, I have a sales job. I work from home, so oh, cool. Even if I'm on a call, which you know, sometimes I'm on calls. If it's a very, I'll see it. And my husband has the app too. So if I don't see, if I don't respond within like 30 minutes, he normally will. Mm-hmm. But normally I can get to it pretty quickly, have the notifications on. If somebody says something right now, I'm not going to hear it because because I'm on silent because you have my full attention. But for there the most go. part, I can get to people you know very quickly. And if there's phone calls and stuff, I normally send the automated texts, please text me. And then we'll go back and forth right. that way if I can. Or I'll say, I want to call for work. Or I'm out to lunch or I'm at dinner. I'll get back to you soon and just kind of push them off for an hour. And that's normally fine. I haven't had any big situations where work in the short terminals have clashed. That's cool. And are you able to like take off ever? I mean, you mentioned you were on a cruise once or whatever, but are you able to just get off the grid and, and go uh, on vacation and do whatever? Or you still have to communicate even if you are away? Yeah, we communicate the whole time that we're away. We will, I'm sure at some point, outsource all of that. For now, it's not much extra work. I mean, so we do, I think we're going to do between two hundred dollars and $250,000 in top line revenue. If you pay a property management company, you pay them 20%. So for me, it's like, it's worth say $50,000 for me to do this myself, even if I have to handle a couple things. I just got the internet while I was on the cruise. I asked my cleaners permission to give those guests that were staying their phone numbers I paid each of them because I have two locations, paid each of them $10 a day for the right for me to give those specific guests their phone numbers in case they couldn't get a hold of me and made sure that everybody knew that. And that's what I've done when I've gone on cruises because that's it cool. can be a little patchy. Yeah. Regular vacations, I just I roll with it. If I'm gonna be sometimes like if I'm on a flight, let's say like sometimes I'll be on a flight from like three to five, I'll message everybody like, hey, check-ins at four. I'm going to be unavailable from four to five, just FYI. And Mm -hmm. I haven't had any huge issues. There was one guy who couldn't get in when I was on like a ski slope one time because you like can't get your phone out because you have your gloves on. But I got back. As long I feel like as long as you get back to people within an hour, they're okay. And I I also I'm a little bit comfortable with the idea that not everything's going to be perfect all the time. And at at some point this may bite me in the butt, but I'm willing to 
make to $50,000 not to outsource it. For yeah. Now. I mean, it makes sense, especially when it's not, I mean, it's not a lot of time. It's just being available. Right. And there's sometimes a year. So January to April here in mm. Florida is busy. And so come May, I'm a little bit burnt out and a little bit stressed and kind of questioning why I have three jobs, my full-time job, the vacation rental business, I guess, and the long-term rentals. And then like adulting is easy. And then come June, things get to like a normal path again and everybody's really happy and you know our prices are lower and mm-hmm. our guests are mostly from Florida and they're just like really low key and really easy. And like, okay. And then I breathe again until next January. So that's kind of how the pattern seems to go. Well, and all of your properties are local in South Florida or central. I don't know. Yeah. The West coast of Florida. So between Tampa and the bend in Florida on the West coast, I have our biggest property, which is a six unit apartment building, which is four short term rentals, two long term rentals is about two and a half hours North, Mm. but it's in the same County where my grandma and my uncle, who's a lifelong handyman live. And so we've got a great cleaner there who's she's also she's just there a lot, obviously, with four of them, a couple days stays. She's at the property almost every day. We have two tenants there. One of them is boots on the ground. Well, you know, sometimes I'll have him if you know, like let's say there's like a couple days between and our cleaner's not there. I'll be like, hey, do you mind? And I don't give him the code, but I say, I'm gonna unlock the door. Would you mind walking through it? Just making sure, you know, there's not like a leak or a dead bug or something. And he'll do little things like that. Keeps an eye, make sure the trash is taken out and stuff. That's but, so, cool. so I have like a squad there, even though I'm I'm self-managing. But so that's without without my uncle being there, I don't know that we would have bought it. So right. I owe him for that. But he like like we we pay him, obviously. Of and course. it's a good little addition to his social security, especially with the way inflation's been. So he's pretty grateful. And my grandma, like. She goes with him. She loves having something. She's 90, but she's like, you could just tell she loves having something to do. <laughs> Some, of course. So, and then amazing. the other ones are down here closer to the Tampa Bay area. And we handle the maintenance requests and things like that ourselves. Gotcha. Gotcha. And when you bought that six unit apartment building, was it set up as such beforehand? Or you guys converted it and basically set it up as short-term rentals and long-term rentals? It was all long-term rentals. All It was owned by a contractor. So it had been remodeled. But it needed, you know, it was remodeled like seven years before. So it needed paint, still needs paint on the outside, to be honest. But so we had to like paint, decorate, do all of those things. We did turn over three of the units right away. The tenants were month to month. So we did turn the three two bedroom units over right away. And that was hard for us to do. Mm-hmm. But we literally wouldn't have been able to pay the mortgage taxes and insurance if we kept it that way, you know. Meaning the revenue from the short-term rentals is just so much more. Yeah, at least three times. The guy had priced it so that you would basically break even if you kept all of the rents as they were or at Mm -hmm. market, basically, and all as long-terms, which I need to do better than that. And so we flipped those three to short-term right away. And then the next year, another one left and we flipped that one to short-term. So we have two long-term tenants right now and four short-term Units. I kind of like this balance. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever go to all six of them being short term. I literally, I like to have, I don't want to call him a narc, but I like to have my tenant narc there. (laughs) It's cool that you have that. I mean, how long has he been there? And how did you even introduce the fact, like, hey, can you go and check some things out for me? He's inherited. So he was there when it was all long term. And he offered, he just kind of said one day, Hey, if there's anything, if you ever need me to do anything, like, because he's retired, he's like a retired chef. 
mm-hmm. and it's an island. There's not a ton to do. Like the closest Walmart is 45 minutes away. <laughs> you know, there's just so I think he was like, you know, hey, like I'm here. Well, so how you measure what to do, you know? <laughs> yeah. And people like sometimes guests will ask him, like, which unit, which number is mine? He'll be like, Well, what's the name of it? He, he tells them where to park and you know, he told me, hey, somebody came by. They're doing work at the church next door. They just wanted to know, wanted you to know there to be in the backyard, you know, just so he's really good. And for that reason, his rent's affordable and going to stay that way. That's cool. That's awesome. That really is. Yeah. Lauren, this has just been flying by the time as always, but I'd love to transition to what we call the final four. But before I do, actually, I did have one other question. I just really would love to, and you talked about your kind of long-term goals that you set years ago and are going to be realizing them, you know, soon enough, it sounds like. And then congratulations to you for that. Cause that's just incredible. Is there anything else that you are like expanding into besides like the short-term, long-term, like single family rentals? Have you thought about other forms or other types of real estate that have piqued your interest? I am intrigued by the idea of maybe syndicating a large long-term rental. This is weird because it's not really on my brand, but a large long-term rental apartment building with like a full staff and it's completely passive, obviously, because that's how I feel right now. Mm -hmm. So maybe getting into some more commercial real estate deals. I also bat the idea around of just keeping it, things kind of how they are, enough cash flow to pay our bills. Mm -hmm. And then we have a good amount of money in the stock market too. So letting the bills be paid by the real estate and then letting extras, cars, vacations, another boat someday, God forbid, all of that come from the stock portfolio. So we're pretty well balanced. We're a little heavy in the real estate. If we sold one property and put all that in the stock market, I think we'd be about 50-50. So it just depends. We're going to see. I'm going to, when I leave my W-2, I'm going to have to just take a breather. I want the portfolio to be stabilized. I want to be able to take a breath and really chill. Like I really want to chill for like a year, like keep doing, obviously keep managing the businesses and things like that, but, and then see again where things take me. Sure. And you never know. That's the amazing thing, especially if you travel, oftentimes traveling to a new place just opens your mind up to things you had never really thought about before. So who knows? Well, good luck with that. I'd love to hear how that goes and continue kind of following your story and your journey. And We'll just transition what we call, like I said, the final four. First question, what's the worst job that you ever had? I mentioned it earlier. It was definitely being a front-end department supervisor at Toys R Us. I graduated during the Great Recession, or now they call it the Great Financial Crisis. And so even though I had this like 394 GPA, it was like there weren't a lot of jobs. And I wanted to go back to my hometown again because my sister was so young. You know, I went to college when she was five and now she was nine and I wanted to not see her just once a month. So I basically took the job I could get. And I really didn't like it. I lived with my parents at first and then I bought my first house, but it was like the schedule is five. Obviously you work five days a week. It was always Saturday and Sunday and my shifts, they always had me closing. So I would start at like one between one and two and close till nine. And then like my sister was little, like she's in bed by then. And then there'd be all these, I love college football. (laughs) Like every Saturday, like there's no watching Gators football. Like I am at Toys R Us. And then, you know, all the Sundays and all of the the family gatherings. I know there's some people that I have a friend who's a nurse and she's married to a real estate agent and they love like, they'll have a random Tuesday off and like, but I hated it. I I was like, I want to get on the schedule that most people I know are on. I want to be Monday to Friday, nine to five and mm-hmm. be able to do stuff on the evenings and weekends. And gotcha. so I just, I really didn't, I just didn't, it didn't suit me every single day for that year that I was there. I did not want to get up and go, but I did but I did not like it. Wow. That's incredible. 
and you learn, I guess you learn what you want it to be, what you want it to do. I mean, and what you were good at. And obviously the schedule and the timing and the time spent with family and your sister was, you know, critical. So glad it worked out in the end. Second question, what's a book you've read that's given you a paradigm shift? So there's a book that it's a business book. I recommend it to everyone. And it's called Predictable Success by Les McCown, M-C-K-E-O-W-N, I believe. And it's about sort of life cycles of business and why businesses make those transitions. And there's a ton of examples in there of different companies. And I've looked around and I recognize it. Oh, this company is in fun. This one's in whitewater. This one's in treadmill. This one's in death rattle, you know, or whatever. And so that really, really made me look at business a different way. And it's been incredibly helpful as I form my own businesses. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. It's the first time I think that's been mentioned here on the show. So we'll make sure to put that in the show notes and definitely check that out, adding that to the reading list. Predictable success. Awesome. Third question, what's a skill or talent that you would like to learn? So I used to play like golf a bit. I was in a car accident like seven, eight, seven years ago. And I didn't really play. I haven't really played golf much since then, but I'm feeling a lot better. I'm playing a lot more sports. And I think I would like to play golf again. Some of my family members really like it. And if I have, but I need like more time, you know, like it, like, my life is not conducive to, right. let's go like drink beers and be on the golf course for four hours. You know, like, I so, think that's required. I think I'd though, like right? to do if, that. Are you like required to drink beer if you're like playing golf? Isn't that like one of I, the- I guess. I mean, I will do it. I will do it. But I would rather do it on like a random Wednesday right. than, you know, take my Saturday or my Sunday when all this other stuff is going on. So as you asked that question, I'm a little surprised in myself that that's the answer. But I think that's something that's been percolating in the back of my mind. Well, there you go. If it came out, then that means that it's something that's been in there and uh, wanting to come out. So there you go. Now you got to go do it. Fourth and final question. What does success mean to you? Success means freedom and happiness. It doesn't really... I mean, money is just a tool for those things. And there's a yeah. lot of people with a lot of money that are very unhappy. There's a lot of people without a lot of money that are happy. I don't think that... I have never found that I was can be incredibly happy with this idea that if I don't go to work tomorrow, I cannot live. That was always a little bit stressful for me. And so I've always wanted to get to the point where money became sort of an optional thing and was kind of set. And I think that's going to fulfill it for me. We'll see when we actually get there. But And we've mentioned this quite a few times, you know, freedom to spend time with family. My grandmas are both still alive. It's amazing. Um, my parents are in their 60s. My sister's 20. I have a niece and nephew who are two and one. And so it's about, you know, spending time with them because this, the group of people that are alive in my family right now, I mean, it's not going to be that way forever. So that's the goal. Yeah. Love that. And that's a really true definition of success. I think for most people, it really comes down to what's important in life. And you've kind of touched on it. So I appreciate that. Lauren, where can our listeners find you or reach out to you if they want to? Definitely find me on Twitter at adulting is easy. Also on Instagram, just really started doing that this year in 2023 at adulting is easy real. And don't forget the podcast is called adulting is easy. Please follow there, follow, subscribe, like everywhere you listen. Yeah. Review everything, all the good stuff, guys. Check it out. We'll make sure to put that in the show notes in case for some reason you forgot adulting is easy. 
It is. And hopefully by following Lauren and learning from her, you too will find out how easy it actually is, at least the financial part, maybe, you know, growing up, it's, <laughs> that's not the easiest part, but at least the finance is pretty easy, guys. Check it out. And thank you, Lauren. It's really been a pleasure. I'm glad we got to do this and catch up. Thanks for having me. And to our listeners, thank you guys for listening all the way to the end. Once again, remember the best advice comes only when you ask. Real quick, I have one question for you. Did you like this episode? If you did, I wanna ask you a huge favor. See, the biggest thing that helps this podcast grow and that will spread this message to the whole world is that if you leave a review, a rating, and subscribe to the podcast. What that does is it basically tells the platforms that this podcast is out on is that you like my stuff and I'm doing something right. So take a few seconds out of your day, hit that subscribe button, leave a rating or review. I would be extremely grateful. Also, I want to hear from you guys. So I want to hear some feedback. If you have any questions for future episodes, please find me on LinkedIn, send me a DM, a connection request, Yona Weiss, and I'd love to hear from you.